What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with Skip Hill. S2H, we're sponsored by True Nutrition. User code advices for some additional savings. Awesome supplements. You guys hear me say that every time. Um, what's up, gentlemen? We're back. Who's the actor guy with the blue hair and the beard? The blue hair oh, and the beard. I meant the blue eyes. I fucked the joke. See, it doesn't work. It would be funny if I just didn't fuck it up. Blue eyes. Yeah. Anyway, forget it. You look S2H? totally different. No, you you look totally different. And I'm not kidding when I say this. I don't think we're live anyway. But if we're I live. wasn't straight. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. I say. Just yeah, drop me a DM, DM me later. Just, yeah, just DM me later. Mm. All right. Oh, my God. I got you. I got you. You look, smart. You look smarter. Yeah. You know, there was a thing I saw. They said, uh, what was it? That salesmen with beards were more trusted. Like they're wise. Maybe it's because they look more distinguished. Yeah, there's more of a, yeah. yeah. And I think the gray helps a little bit too. It's not a lot, but it's enough to be like distinguished. Okay. He's handsome. It's more rugged. I want to start blushing. What's up? How you guys been? I wonder wonder what it's like naked. Oh, okay. I'll stop. Well, here, I'll just... uh, (laughs) <laughs> I think it's like pretty much no outside of the trunks, but anyway, yeah, aside yeah. from that, exactly. Skip needs to grow a beard as well. That's what Dave Kelly. I can't. Said. It's like a four hair thing. A four hair. It's thing? not very attractive. Yeah, it, yeah, like when you're 19 and you try to grow, you think you're growing a, a stash <laughs> or anything else. Even at 50, it would look equally as pathetic. I think. Okay, so we're gonna so. do a bunch of bodybuilding questions, guys. But I do have to before we get into that, we're gonna talk about steroids. We're talking about training, probably going to talk about diet. You will learn about all those things today. But before we do, I got to ask about the beard thing. When was the first time you tried to grow a mustache? Me? Yeah, because mine was like, I think, 15. I was like, oh, yeah, I got this. And it mine was, was honestly about 14 or 15 days ago, and it didn't go over very well. <laughs> you almost spit that out. I did. Yeah, no, I, you know what? I tried it when I was younger. I did. I thought, I've got pictures, and I'm not going to ever bring them up. And my wife is with her sister on the other side of the state, so she won't hear this, so she can't throw me under the bus. They're horrible. They're they're bad. Yeah. They're really bad. And you you don't know. Like, you think, like, it's, you know, in your own mind, it's full. It's sexy. It's like, oh, it looks so much older. No, yes. you don't. You look like a fucking 14 year old. That's bad. Well, you got a big upper lip. You look like Magnum PI or something. Yeah. I can do that. Yeah. yeah uh, Tom, I could do the Tom Selleck thing there. I could. And you know what? Sometimes when I don't, this will come in thick. This is not, this won't work. Plus, here's the problem. Even if it was thick, there's so much silver. Everything is silver. And I can't do it. My wife loves it, but I can't do it. The second it starts to grow out, is it starting to grow out now? Yeah. I, I got to shave it off. I can't stand it. Drives me nuts. Makes me feel old. I'm old, but it makes me feel older. And I don't like to be reminded of it when I look in the mirror. I didn't even think of this. I pulled a prank on Dave Crossland. He has that big, long goatee. And I, I had to spend like $10 on Amazon to get a fake goatee to pull off a Dave Crossland mustache or outfit. But look at this. I've got extra beards now. Don't ask me why you have to buy like a jihadi beard. beards. No, no, that doesn't even look like a normal. Yeah. Look at this one. Oh my god. Yeah, no. 
Look at that. Bro, you got too oh much God. time on your hands. Hold on. Way <laughs> too much time on your hands. Let's see here. Yeah, the, re the rest of us are busy during the week, Scott. Yeah, no, I buy <laughs> beards and stuff and then shoot videos and put them on YouTube. You know, that's my thing. I've actually been really busy. Things have been going really good with business. But for now, Sunday night, it, I got to take the headphones off. Tell me what you guys think of this one. I think this is great already. What the yeah, no, that's I no. All of a sudden, I don't want to. I don't want to see you naked anymore. No, you that, like, that you look like a WWE wrestler. There we go. You no. guys ready to? Do I look smart? Like I know a lot, no. lot about steroids. No, no, no. It looks really real too, except for that. You know, minus the strain on your cheek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without the strap, it looks so believable. Scott, when was the first time <laughs> you tried to grow some facial hair? It's all one side. Huh? When was the first was time the first you tried to grow facial hair? Yeah. Uh, shit, I don't know. Probably when I was like fourteen or something. Yeah, fifteen. I, I don't remember. All right. Before Skip did, I should have just got one of those things. Yeah, rock it around. It's yeah, sticking to my. Now, when we beard. were younger, though, beards and stuff wasn't the in thing. Now it's the in thing. Like you know, you're not a man if you don't have a beard. I'm like, okay, I'm good with it. I don't give a fuck. You guys want to talk about some bodybuilding? Not really. Let's go cats. Let's go beards. Let's, let's do talk other about things. Beards. We did get a, a, a cat question. We can get to that later. Yes. We had some. So we do have a bunch of listener questions over at the Advices Radio Think Big Bodybuilding Media Group. You guys are welcome to join over there. Hang out with us. Ask questions for all the shows. If you're watching the live feed, throw some questions in for us. Uh, but to start us out, one of the things we are kind of spitballing behind the scenes, Skip and I, that is in S2H a little too, was uh, deadlifts. There was that whole topic, came up a while ago, uh, are deadlifts for your back or are deadlifts for your legs? I'm kind of out of this conversation because I'm not great at deadlifting, but I'm going to turn it over to you, Skip, because we, you know, you were saying we need to revisit this one today. Yeah, I've got half a, and thanks for telling me, guys. I got half a pineapple between my teeth and I got these old man pubes stuck in my beard. <laughs> it won't come out. You know, like when you get something stuck in it, there it goes. Because now it would have like, that's what I would have focused on for the last or for the next 10 minutes. Okay, here's what's going on. <clears throat> I so wish we could get Dante on the show for this. Because I already know how he thinks about it. It has been, first I'm going to put a disclaimer on it. And I'm telling you, because this is important. I'm not trying to be, you know, weak or a little pussy or a little bitch by saying this. Yeah. But I'm not trying to start a shit storm. What I am saying is there are credible, intelligent, experienced people who have different opinions on this topic. Sometimes radically different, completely different, that sort of thing. But just because I disagree doesn't mean that I don't respect somebody else who doesn't agree with how I, my perspective on something. True. Okay. There has been, I saw it this last week and I'm not gonna mention names, not because I, I'm literally doing it out of respect because I like the guy. He's very intelligent. He's very good at what he does. I just simply disagree. So it was brought up again this last week on social media about back uh, deadlifts and how they're, that they're basically not a back exercise. And here's the other thing I want to be very careful because I'm not reading his post verbatim. Okay. I'm paraphrasing based on what I remember, but I read it several times to make sure it was accurate. And it's what I have heard before from someone else in the industry who is very, very experienced and has a long history, both in powerlifting and 
in bodybuilding as well. And the argument basically these days, in my opinion, is that deadlifts are not a back exercise. And I, I have, I have a problem with that. Hmm. And they're in a lot because it, it doesn't, when they explain it, they admit that it hits traps, it hits erectors, but it doesn't hit this and that. Well, you just mentioned two of the main muscles of the back. So for starters, we're already not on the same page. So their argument is more along the lines of, well, it's not good for lats, rhomboids, things like that. I still disagree because it comes down to execution. And when I say execution, if you're going to do a deadlift in a typical or traditional powerlifting style, Mm -hmm. possibly, that still has its arguments. I'll get to that in a minute. But bodybuilders do should be doing deadlifts different than you would for powerlifting. Absolutely. Okay, now, and, and including okay. squats, including bench, all that stuff, you know, I, I exactly. very different. They should be tweaked, whether it's positioning, like you said, with squats, position of the bar. There's a lot of different things you can tweak. So one of the things with deadlifting that I think is different, one of the major things when you're a bodybuilder doing deadlifts is there should be retraction. There, yeah. I the way I understand it, and I'll go to S2H on this because I don't want to this up, but I have never you been just bleeped yourself. Did you catch that? You bleeped yourself. You were like, I don't want to yeah, do that. this up. That was good. I, I can't even. I, what I do is I decrescendo when I go to swear when I say, good. like, What the are you talking about? We can Things still monetize like this anyway. up until we start talking about words. <laughs> exactly. I just I swear so much that I've come up with my own system over the years. So, anyway, I'm going to go S2H on this, and I say this. Is retraction, S2H, a component of or like an integral part of a powerlifting deadlift? I don't think that it is. I haven't known that it is, but I could be wrong. And by retraction, well, I just basically mean retraction of the shoulder blades pulling in at the top of the movement. It, I'm not trying to put you on so, the spot, so but To I'm, get a legal lift, you have to retract some, you know, because um, obviously you have to control the bar. Um, you know, I'd say if you were, we called ape hanging with your arms over the front shoulders yeah. turned all the way forward, even if you're standing straight up, they're not, they're generally not going to give you, you know, a green light, a good lift, but do right. you retract heavily like bodybuilding deadlifts would do where you really arch and really, sh- Oh, kind of over, uh, shove the chest out. No. Um, I mean, I'll tell you too, it kind of depends on the person. So shorter guys with shorter arms, tend to retract more. Uh, oh, sure. But, and, but in and, general, you we all agree that from a bodybuilding perspective, retraction would be important. Even if you're not doing yeah. it much in a powerlifting set, you're just, you're getting the green light. You're getting the lift. And so, okay, fine. They, you know, you may not care much about it. But in bodybuilding, you would. And here's, here's the reason why I bring this up. His argument this last week was saying that if there's not a range of motion for those muscles, like mm. the lats or the rhomboids, things like that, middle traps, that there is no, there can't be hypertrophy. And I was like, gosh, this guy, and I'm being very careful how I say this, this guy, and maybe, maybe it was just the way that I understood that I didn't understand exactly what he was meaning, which quite frankly means that he wasn't very clear in how he was explaining it in fairness. So I think, He's an intelligent guy. He knows his shit. And that kind of struck me. I was like, this is kind of a bizarre thing. 
muscles that stabilize can still grow. They don't have to be worked through a full range of motion. But again, let's just say that that is true. I assume that he's talking about then that there's no retraction because as soon as you have retraction, then you have movement and you have range of motion through the shoulder blades, through the rhomboids, middle traps, things like that. So is it like doing safer lats? Is it like doing a lap? Well, of course it's not, but it's still an inter- I mean, here's the best way to explain it. I mean, I hate to say this, but and, I, and let me back up. I am not at all saying that it is predominantly the, or because I've written articles about us and we, and we've talked about this before. I do not believe that deads are all that great of an exercise for overall back development. I mean, I've said that so many times Ooh. over the years. Do me a favor, guys. Don't, I don't. follow the channel. Don't, and that turns, I know. it. Well, how you think Elite FTS feels about me saying that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just my opinion based on the things I, I've seen over the years. I'm not saying that it can't help or create a better back. But for full back development, if you were just to do deads and you think you're going to – I mean, a lot of people who pull deads, they do end up with a relatively weak – lower back, lower back in the sense of like lats. They end up with a much wider upper back, thick erectors, but a lot of times that lat development is not there. So, I mean, there's plenty, there's, there are components of what he was saying that I completely agree with. But when, when you, when you say that there isn't the potential for hypertrophy there and that it's not a back exercise, I mean, I don't, I guess I don't understand. Is it a leg and hip exercise? Is it a glute exercise? Is it a hamstring? Well, of course, but where are you going to be the most sore? You can't do deads. You can't walk into the gym after not doing deads for four months. Even if you've been training your back all along, do deads and walk out the next day and not have your back be like, oh, my fucking God. I mean, mean, how many powerlifters don't have like severely thick rhomboids? And they all do. Yeah. And and then I I know I know Dante's I should I. I shouldn't speak for Dante. I will say this, though. After being, because I'm so confident that he will agree with this, after being alongside him on Intense Muscle for so many years, and him talking about deads and everything else, and knowing Dusty Henshaw's uh, same thing, his views on it, those two, now I'm not saying they're right and everybody else who disagrees with them is wrong, but the point is, is I'm trying to make the point that there are people who are incredibly intelligent, very experienced, everything else, who come from two different, completely different sides of this debate. And I don't know where this turned. I don't know why all of a sudden this, it almost like this debate or this, this argument came out of the blue, like two or three years ago. Yeah. And I, I think I know who it was who brought it up. It wasn't uh, dusty. No, it wasn't dusty. It's someone who um, I got to be careful. How I say this because I don't want to sound disrespectful. It's someone who likes confrontation, who likes to get outside of the box and likes to kind of, stir the pot a little bit when it comes to methods and comes to things in bodybuilding. So I wasn't surprised by that. And I, I don't think that he doesn't believe that. I think he does believe that. I just, I'm blown away by things like that. I, I don't agree with that. And I wonder where you guys stand on it. I guess I'm going to be surprised if you don't agree, not because you need to agree with me, but because I've never heard you guys say anything like that before. I would say this. So the technique for a power lifter and deadlifting varies <clears throat> from a bodybuilder in one extent where when you, when you, when you pull the weight, the bar comes up, your shins tight. When you get, when you get the weight all the way up into your upper quads, body power lifters, we tend to slide our hips forward because you have to maintain control of the bar. And then 
to be given the command to lower, and then you have to maintain you know, the bar when you lower it. It's part of the lift. You, you can't just dump it down there. So you tend to use – what you'll use is you'll slide your hips forward or basically push them forward yeah. to use your hips, your upper quads, to stabilize the bar in position and then on the descent back down. Bodybuilders tend to not do that. They tend, tend to stand more erect and then put the chest forward – arch the back right, to get that feeling. Now, now powerlifters retract too. They retract a little differently. I so said they slide the hips forward more because generally you're dealing with a lot of weight. And so mm-hmm. you want to be able to control that weight and also for the descent. So it's a little bit different, but to say you don't retract as a powerlifter, I don't, I think it, it can be person dependent, but I think most powerlifters do maybe not to the extent of bodybuilders, but I mean, I know a lot of powerlifters have known a lot. I mean, most powerlifters have really good traps, rhomboids, and it's spinal rectors. Do they always have the widest back? No, because if they're really a, truly a powerlifter, they don't really train that. I mean, genetically, they could grow form, but in general, you see most powerlifters have, like, it looks like two tubes going down for their rhomboids. Exactly. You know, EDC yeah. pipes. And, mm-hmm. you know, depending if they're an over-over, especially if they're an over-over puller, you know, they don't over-under pull. Um, right. You'll see, you'll see even better rhomboid growth. Your over-under guys tend – you can tell an over-under guy real easy. Look at his traps. If one's a little bit bigger than the other or a little taller, he's probably an over-under puller. Well, I tell you, there's another way to tell, though, when it comes to world-class powerlifters that are over-under. They have a torn bicep on one side. Yeah. That too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was never an over-under guy, so. Let me, let me say, though, I want to be clear that I'm not saying that this person said anything about retraction. I don't, I, I'm saying – his words were that there isn't any range of motion. I'm using the word retraction because I feel that with retraction and how a bodybuilder would make sure or should that there is obvious retraction to the point of even potentially limiting the amount of weight you're using so that you get the retraction, even if you can get it to full lockout, but you can't get retraction, then you need to drop it because you got to get the retract. That's a bodybuilding thing. You, you want that development in the upper middle back and without retraction, it is going to be limited. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't want to mislead or um, basically say something that he didn't say. Retraction is my word. I'm saying his argument was that if there isn't a full range of motion, that there can't be hypertrophy. And I, I'm just moment that that would here's an example that would basically say then that, that planks for abs are useless because there's no full range of motion when we've had chiropractors well you know good very intelligent articulate chiropractor come on and say that they don't even think that the abdominal wall needs to be worked through a full range of motion hmm. that because it's a stabilizer you know it's kind of like with spinal erectors same thing you're not working the spinal erectors hinge at the hip they're a stabilizer for the spine. You're not, there's not a range of motion for the erectors. We're not flexing. I put my hands up. We're not flexing the spine during, you know, a, a stiff leg deadlift or anything else. We're hinging. And so those spinal erectors are stabilizers going up the spine that just keep it in place under higher resistance or more weight. So if they're growing, mm-hmm. Explain how that can happen without a full range of motion. It's just either that or that's what I'm saying. So I guess what I'm saying is maybe it was just poorly explained. 
but you have to be careful when you have this big reach. And this isn't me chastising this guy at all. Like I said, I have respect for the guy. I think he's incredibly knowledgeable. I just don't agree with this, with how he approached this, because I think it's starting to catch, get traction. Because here's what happens when somebody says something like that, you go to the comment section and all of a sudden these people that don't, you know, they, they train people, but nobody knows who the fuck they are or anything else because everybody's a trainer. And they're all agreeing. And I'm starting to think, you know, at first you think, oh, my God, all these people buying. No, they buy into it because they trust the knowledge that is coming from us. And that's where I worry mm-hmm. that things like this gain traction. I, It's not purposely misleading. I know his intent was not to mislead, but I don't think the way the information was put out there was was accurate. I just don't think it's accurate. And I, and I don't, I don't agree. I just really don't agree with that. Yeah. I think that, there's a lot of spin. people who've used a lot of people with really good backs that have done a lot of deadlifts that probably wouldn't agree either. And I can tell you, man, I've, I'm not a deadlift guy, but you know, and it's not, I, I guess I kind of see, you know, if you wanted to try to get scientific and be like, well, we're, what's the reason you I mean, you're going to get a lot more, retraction in an exercise where you're actually pulling your arm back, I guess. No, no you're, you're not, I can't but, but you know what? Hold on a second though. Do you really need to retract your back to what's the difference between a row? And I'm just throwing this out here. I'm not invested in this either way. I'm not, like I said, I'm mm-hmm. not a huge deadlift guy, but what's the real difference? If I'm going to stand upright and drive my elbows back, what's the difference between that and me like rowing to right here? I, 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 not yeah. as much for retraction, but you're not opening the scapula up to mm. a larger range of motion like you would oh. with a row. Yeah. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 When the arms are hanging down, the scapula okay. are not going to be as open as if yeah. you were rowing. That yeah. makes sense. And that's why it's important when you're rowing that the, the scapula need to open up because otherwise you're limiting your range of motion. Yeah. Which but is, which may, it would be like saying pauses, like leaving the muscle under tension. Hmm doesn't work. So let's say I was going to do a lift, let's say dumbbell presses and I bring them halfway down and I pause. Is that going to build muscle? I'd say, yeah, I'd say yes. Because your muscles under tension. Now you could manipulate a deadlift to where you don't put a lot of tension on your back. Yeah. That's possible. You know, especially if you don't, if you, if you dead hang it, ape hang it, you know, you're just basically pulling on your on your shoulders, you know, on the joints. I mean, so there, it's possible to deadlift improperly and not put as much tension on the back, even with some retraction. But they're still done properly. There's a lot of tension on the back. I mean, I always look at the deadlift. It starts in the legs, obviously. But as the bar comes up to mid shin, it's spinal erectors up into rhomboids, up into traps as you come up, mm-hmm. you know, as you, as, you, as, you, as you fully lock out. So with a proper deadlift... I, I don't see, and that's why most powerlifters have big ass rhomboids. You know, they're not, especially true powerlifters that aren't doing bodybuilding exercises a lot or any of that kind of stuff. You know, maybe T-bar rows or something. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I would have to say that I agree with you, Skip. Oh my god! Oh, I know. my god! It's a first. What is the date today? It's the seventeenth of January, twenty twenty-one. Well, and know that I feel good about that because of your. I know. Just recently, we we'd like to fuck with each other, but the the your background being powerlifting, I feel better that because I didn't know that you weren't going to come back and say no, the retraction isn't that important in powerlifting, or whatever. I don't know that because that's not in my wheelhouse. So 
I wasn't sure about that. But like I said, I, I, I just want to drive this. I want to keep saying this. I am not bringing this topic up to fuck with anybody or because I don't like them or I just disagree. And I, you know, he did say things like it is a good movement for the traps. It is a good movement for the erectors, which that's where it kind of, it's such a gray area because those are muscles of, back everything is working as far as the posterior chain pretty much from your ankle to your traps so i don't know how you could essentially shut down growth halfway up the posterior chain or three quarters of the way up the posterior chain and say that no it's just so glute and hamstring dominant then oh we skip over these few muscles and i'm not being trying to be a dick or sounding condescending when i say this but I'm paraphrasing, yeah. but we skip over the muscles and then we just jump right to the traps and there's no growth in between. I, I just think now, again, if you are going, if he is All right, saying, then we got to go to break. Fair enough. If he is saying, and just not saying it, that I didn't think it was very clear that it is not a great exercise for overall back development that I completely agree with. And I've said that for years, but that isn't what I got out of it at all. I got it that it was not a back movement and that I, I just completely disagree with uh, if it was, if, if I can disagree more than a hundred percent, I will. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, since we we're going to talk about stuff here, that'll mean that we can't monetize the show on YouTube. We're going to go to a commercial break with our great sponsor, true nutrition and try to make our money back that way. We'll be back in just a second, guys. <laughs> Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for watching another podcast here at Think Big Bodybuilding Media. And thank you to our great sponsor, TrueNutrition.com, for making this all possible. TrueNutrition.com is owned by Dante Trudell, the creator of DC Training. He wanted to create a supplement company that offered high-quality third-party tested supplements at a fair price. High-quality protein powders, just about every type you could think of. Huge variety of flavors, plus health and performance supplements. Check them out, TrueNutrition.com. And hey, if you use our code ADVICES, you directly support our podcasting. Thanks, guys. Let's get back to the program. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear. Skip and Stage, S2H. We were asked a question about S2H's real identity. We, we might get to that. We might not. And I'm sure we won't get a solid it. answer either way. But we do I'm have sure a bunch of list of questions. So we're going to jump in. Uh, guys, if you have any listener questions on the live feed, feel free to throw them in here. Um, we did get a comment saying Scott looks like he's bulking, but there's two of us. And then mm. and then another guy was like, well, anytime you grow a beard, it looks like you're bulking. But we both have beards now. So I'm that's because we all know fat guys who try to. Yeah, we all know fat guys who try to cover that chin with a beard. It's working, That's I think. That's why. You know? It's yeah, but you're not. You're not. Ooh, you're not. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm back up to about 2.30, though. So I I dipped down. I was on the... I got a question. Actually, I don't. Ment. I know. I already know the answer. That's why. You don't like Ment. Either you, either you guys are really fans. I gained a bunch of water on it. I'm going to tell you what, because I recently got asked about this again. I couldn't control estrogen with all the Arimidex in the world. So I'm gonna throw that out there. It was not uh, on your, on your deck of no ester. Yeah. Is that well meant it was uh it was uh, the Trestalone Enanthate. Yeah, well, you couldn't get the ester. estrogen under control while I meant. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. Is that what you, yeah. yeah I've heard, look, I had, and I won't mention his name, but a um, relatively local pro here who had two of them 
who had the exact same. It was off the charts. Yeah, yeah. And it did not matter how much they took. It wasn't doing a damn thing. And the dosage wasn't even that high in the mint. Like, what are we talking? I can't remember, unfortunately. If I, if I could, I would say. But, I mean, it just wasn't very big. I want to say, this is off the top of my head, only like 300 meg. Yeah. Maybe 400. It wasn't much. 100 for me. 100 a week. No kidding. No yeah. kidding. You know what blows my mind, though? Is I used Mint a, a decade plus ago during a contest prep. Like we didn't really know. People had said like you could use it cutting, you could use it bulking, and so I figured out. Well, I got some as an experiment. Uh, a lab had started making it, and I was one of their guys that you know tested out and post about it and stuff. And uh, I still got lean. I still got shredded, you know. And I don't remember what I had to do with AI, but I'm gonna. Thinking back to that era, it was probably like an Arimidex letrozole through the roof combo. So, but I remember like two weeks out being like, oh yeah, I still got some pressing on my ankles. Yep, still got water retention. Still got water wow. retention. Next time you save the money in the hassle of trying to get met and just crush up birth control. Yeah. And then, you know, inject no, it's a, you know, no esters are going to aromatize heavily. No, it it is estered. It was. Uh, oh, you're the, ma- I thought it wasn't. I was using the other one. No, I don't know. I never heard of the no estered mint. That'd be crazy. Are you using the oral one? No, no. Yeah, trust alone anything. It used to be oral. They have a, a, I can't remember where this was. They saw some stuff where they were, they're testing out, speaking of estrogen, giving it to men uh, with the COVID vaccine. I know. There'd be like volunteers for that. Yeah, yeah, and and just testing in general because women have less issues with COVID, I guess, and so they've mm. been doing some testing with having men taking estrogen and with the with the vaccine. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that that study will go over about as well as using testosterone as a male contraceptive because that went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> you know, they went well. for years and finally they're like, "Fuck it, this just isn't working. We're done." <laughs> All right. So, what do we got here? Uh, diving into our questions. Um, let's start out with the, we'll start out with a drug question here. T3. So T3 thyroid hormone, one of the thyroid hormones, 25 micrograms. Could a natty use this to lose body fat at that dose? Say it, SQH, say it, then, say well, it. Then you're not a natty. Damn, Mike Brown, Ooh. damn, next question. <laughs> uh, yeah, 25. Question, yeah. So 25 yeah. In, in most males is about the amount you need to uh to take exogenously to you know to actually give you some kind of uh, a lift i'd say yeah i mean it's gonna it's gonna speed your thyroid i mean it's gonna speed everything up you know your thyroid it depends you know everybody's different but what what's your body's naturally producing and how your thyroid's functioning you know can vary but you know i mean i remember way back we used to talk about doing 12.5 and there were some studies and some people using it saying hey i'm not getting much out of it because you're not really doing anything different than what your body's doing naturally so 25 and plus they make them in 25 so that makes sense but i'd say i'd say 25 is is enough to uh to speed things up and to you know to help with some fat loss but we're talking a small percentage but you got to be careful too because if you're natural and you're taking it um you know you can lose some muscle it can, cause, it can, it can cause some reduction on the other side yeah that's what he was 
I think that's why he pointed out the fact that he's natural. We were just having, uh, for me, it was an attempt at levity. For S2H, it was just, he's just mean to people. But uh, the point is, is I, I don't mean, you know, when he's saying he's natural, he could just be stating, I don't use things. I'm not going to go into a natural show and take T3. I, yeah, so yeah. we were just taking jabs at it. But uh, from a natural standpoint, it does matter because, again, anytime you get into, well, not Clen, but certainly thyroid medication, there is the possibility that, uh, you know, the higher the dose goes, depending on caloric intake and things like that, and how you respond, uh, each person responds individually. Yeah, you do run the risk of um, it potentially uh, kind of being catabolic. I hate that word. Yeah. So bad, but I have to use it to make the point so that everybody understands what I'm saying. Uh, I, I, the only thing I would slightly disagree on, and I don't think we're off by very much, but with S2H is the 25 mic microgram. I think is, and I think you'll agree, S2H, I think it was just confusing the way he said it. It, it doesn't, I don't believe that it replaces the natural, like it's an even wash. I do think it's enough over, like you were saying, to get a response, but it's not substantially high. It's not like a, it's, it's a very conservative dose. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty it's conservative. Relevant. So I don't see 20, yeah, I don't see 25 microgram, even if he's natural, really having any detrimental effect unless he's just already starving himself and the calories are low and the mm. cardio output is ridiculously high, things like that. I don't think 25 microgram would get damn near anybody into a uh, position where they felt like they were, you know, losing, you know, muscle tissue, which is yeah. obviously when I say losing muscle tissue quickly reversible. It's like you taper off of it lose, too. Lose it and can't find it. Yeah. I feel taper like off of, taper off of it too is smart. Don't just don't just quit a thyroid medication cold turkey. So if you're going to use it, do a little taper off for a week or so. Yeah. I, now Dave Palumbo would disagree with that. He tell you just stop. And I don't, it, he has always said over the years, unless he's changed it recently in the last two or three years. But back when he was prepping a lot of people and he was big in the game, he would say that even if the dosage was higher, really, if the thyroid is resilient. Huh. And that it will recover without having to taper back down. No Here's kidding. where I am. I think if it's a low dose, it's 25 microgram or 50 microgram. I don't typically step down. The, or long term is a good point as well. I that I agree with. Um, but then the definite then you have to define long term, and that's a relative term. Everybody will you know have different 64 days. Um, the point being is he had, he had always said that it was widely accepted. I have not seen anybody ever in the entire time that I have had clients and used it myself for years and years and years ever have a problem with their thyroid function coming back online or, or, or recovering. I will say this though, and this is important because it's a, an important caveat. Sometimes if you're abusive with it, it takes longer for the thyroid to recover, but I have never seen a lack or complete lack of recovery from abusing. And I've seen some vicious, vicious T3, T4 protocols over the years and thought to myself, God damn, they recovered from that. Holy shit. And every single one of them has recovered that I have not heard of anyone that has not recovered. Let me, I had uh, a guy that was on a hundred, was a hundred micrograms a day for like over a year. And then he, he was a guy I worked with before and he came back He's like, man, I feel like crap. Da, da, da. And I'm like, okay, let's go through the whole thing. And he had stopped that cold turkey like a couple of days before. And he had been on it for like over a year. So I got him back on it and told him, you did the taper on down. And we, 
we did it slowly over about a month, and then he it was he was in pretty good shape there. Yeah, I would expect you know, I mean, more they, issues they, running a hundred micrograms of T three for a year than anything you know that in yeah. itself would a lot of yeah. health ramifications of that I would imagine. But if yeah, you take fiberlize, it'll fix you. What about what about T uh, three <laughs> in the off season? We we had some talk about that on another one of the programs recently. Um, a respected coach had said that it, it could be a beneficial move. Years back in the message board days, you'd hear some talk about people doing it, and the word was that you would get some upregulated protein synthesis, and you know there could be some benefit to it. Um, what what's your take, Skip? Uh, your your I mean, personal we're take. Again. We're, we're going to agree again here in a minute. I don't know who it I'm, was. Now I got to care. No, I don't I'm just saying, what's your personal off. opinion? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you, no, I, I get you. I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not a fan of T3 in the offseason. I was before the transition to T4 to counter um, GH use, but it was a very minor, whether it be 12.5 milligrams of T3 a day, maybe as high as 25 micro, just depend on the person. But I'm not a fan of T3 in, in the offseason, especially if you're going to use it you know, during prep you kind of want the most bang for your buck. And I don't think that using it in the off season, look, if you want to keep your metabolism elevated, there are better ways to do it than T3 cardio will help to increase appetite and that sort of thing without messing or playing around with your, uh, you know, your thyroid hormones. I'm not saying that whoever said that is wrong. I don't know if he has reasons that I may not be aware of, but I can't think of any. And for that reason, I'm not, in support of that T4. Yeah. If, if in, um, basically synced with GH use, but in low, you know, low dose, of course, no more than you need based on, you know, what you need for your growth hormone and blood, blood work will tell you that. Do you have any other thoughts on that Scott or Scott? Cause if not, I've got another question. Yeah, I, mean, I would disagree with Skip. I, I think yeah? that if you're going to take low dose T3 in the off season, why don't you just change your diet a little bit or, do something there. I mean, I don't really see the use in it. All right. Yeah. Then let me ask you, that, Scott. not that big of a player anyway. What would you recommend to our natural guy then? He wants to, if he were, were to use like a PED of some type to help lose fat, would 25 micrograms of T3 be something you would consider for him? Or would you go a different route? Well, no, honestly, I'd go, I'd go with I would, I would go change. I would make, make his diet, change diet changes and make him do more cardio. So you I mean, wouldn't. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think yeah. it's something. I don't think for a natural competitor, that's something. He's not necessarily a natural guy. He's just a guy who's not on steroids. Well, any anybody. I, I don't know. I just don't really see. I don't think. First of all, I don't think T three is the magic pill. Okay, a lot of people think it's like the. You know, it's just going to be like I'm going to take T three and get shredded. I mean, it, it'll give. It's going to give you some assistance. I mean, I don't know what his thyroid panel looks like, so that'd be a starter. It's like, where's your natural? You know, what are your natural thyroid levels? And then maybe right, you did. He, ask, he asked huh? about a compound. Though. That, that's the only reason I said no, that. I because I agree with it. you. For, I, I agree with you with diet and cardio. That should be the first move, whether anybody's on gear or not on gear. Yeah. But from there, if he's asking, asking, he's natural and he is saying, I'm not going to take any AAS. Is there any, is there another compound that I can use? Clembuterol would be a good idea from a fat burning standpoint, because at least it's more aggressive and it's more powerful and it would work, but it also increases protein synthesis that much more that would help him being natural. So I'm not, 
condoning that. I mean, yeah. that's his decision. All I'm saying is if he's saying, is there another compound and I'm not going to be using AAS with it, what would be a good call? I would probably, I, would, I mean, I would, I would say clenbuterol over T3. Okay. Right. You know, if you wanted to do Agreed. something, that, I would pick clenbuterol over T3. Okay. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I figured I kind of we could try to maybe find something that would be helpful for him. I think Scott makes a good point too because, you know, and we I've talked about it on, with like Dave Crossland on drugs and stuff that one of the great things about that like a low dose of T three is that if, as you're dieting, your thyroid can get kind of sluggish. And that yeah, I mean it makes sense. What if this guy, this natural guy, especially like a natural guy who's dieting really hard, I mean maybe his thyroid does go down. Maybe it would be helpful to have like a small dose. But that goes back to what you were saying, like getting lab work done and seeing where he's at to begin with, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I was going back to our original question. Okay. I mean, okay. There, could be, there could be other factors in there, too. I mean, maybe he was kind of heavy and he's and he's got some, uh, you know, some blood sugar level issues. Maybe there's something else going on, too, that's a reason why he's, you know, uh, having trouble losing body fat. So just jumping on the thyroid train may not be the right answer anyway. There might be some other answers. So I would say get labs, full panel, have them looked at and, and see what's going on. You know, you know, maybe your testosterone levels are really low and your estrogen levels are high. There could be something else in there. The reason why you're not losing body fat, you know, yeah. outside Hyper of training. Diet. Yeah. yeah. All right. We, uh, we just got one up in the live feed here. I know Skip's answer on this. Maybe Scott has something different. Any feedback on six months cycling of IPAM and CJC one two nine five? Skip or me? You. Sorry, I don't know what I said, but you. Because <laughs> uh, I know Skip's Ron. opinion. I mean, that's a pretty trendy combo, you know. Yeah. Uh, I just don't. I I don't really see the pep. A lot of the peptides doing a whole. I mean, there's some, I see a lot of uh, placebo peptide use, you know, people think they did work. Take some growth and just do it. You know, I mean, we used to do those things. I mean, I've done a shitload of those peptides and I'll be honest with you, outside of IGF-1 and growth, I never really got it. I mean, other than what's the one that makes you eat all the time, GHRP-2. Six. You know, yeah. six, I'm sorry. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, I just never really saw that much in them. I just never really saw the returns on them. I mean, they were different, you know, diff all the, all the whole gamut. I used to have a whole freezer full of that shit. I mean, I could have made yeah. it, I could start my own store. People don't realize. I never really, really saw much out of them. Because you're actually say this. taking a, okay, you're actually taking a chunk of the chain, you know, of the protein chain, and it's just different parts of the chain of growth hormone. And it's basically subbing in a lot of them for parts of it. You know, you got, mm -hmm. you know, you got 44 amino acids of this and that. And it's they're, it, what it is, is they're trying to piece them together in these combos to almost create like a growth hormone effect. Well, that's like with FRAG. But I think with this, it's like going to release. It'll it'll upregulate your own production. But yeah, but it's still an amino acid chain. Yeah. You know, it's just a section of that amino acid chain. And I don't know. I just never saw that much out of them. I think so the thing that like fun. a lot of the younger people don't get is that the guys like yourselves and myself we've all spent thousands of dollars not maybe not all of us but 
a lot of us have spent. I don't know what you spent. A lot of us have spent thousands of dollars on that stuff. It's not like you just took one bottle. And like, and this is across the board. Like everybody from 2006 who was bodybuilding. Right. You know what I mean? Like they took so much of that stuff, and we're still saying we're still people are asking the questions. But now we have like a decade of people who've done mm -hmm. it. You know, so there's yeah. one more thing that I think needs to be said, and that is that the large majority of average people out there have this misconception that a lot of the high level amateurs and pros use, use these peptides and they just don't, they use growth hormone and IGF. They, you're not going to find, I mean, it, here's a, here's an, I put a, my best guess as far as if I have 20 clients who are high level amateurs or pros, one or two of them might be using peptides instead of growth hormone or in combination with growth, which I, I, I don't want to slam, but I just think that's kind of, that's to me like taking testosterone and then taking tribulus and thinking the tribulus is going to do something. I, yeah. Maybe that's not a very fair, but that's my analogy to make the point that if, if, what you're using is a nine on a scale of one to 10. And then you're going to use something that's less than a one on top of it. It's just a waste of money and the frequent injections and having to schedule it and remember it and worry about whether you're breaking the peptide up, whether you're not handling it right, the waste of money. I just, I, that's why, and I know people sometimes roll their eyes. I'd almost bet because if they've watched us for any length of time, they know our stance on, a lot of these peptides and when we say just use growth hormone so it's kind of like oh god these old guys they just want you because it works yeah. and we know the side effects and we know what we're going to get out of it and we've used damn near everything there is to use 10 times over so for fuck's sake man if there's a reason we're saying it i got sucked back into the mint though like i should have known better i did it before it, it, it was a phase a long time ago it became a phase right. again and i got sucked in again and guess what I had to learn my lesson again, you know, all yeah, and now, you know, new stuff, I mean, you know, you know, you weren't sure you try it again. There are things I come back to, to just basically go, okay, still didn't work. But sometimes you come back to something. I came back to IGF and went, yeah. you know what? 10 years later and went different, different huh. ball game now. Yeah. So you know, or GH. that's the two to go for. <laughs> yeah. All right. What else we got here? Um, Want to hear all three of your opinions on this. The best calves to thighs in bodybuilding uh both from the front and the back not talking pure size here but harmony and balance of the wheels oh, i'm about to think i mean tom yeah Plats, but yeah um, of course he comes to mind you know tom plates is like one of the first people who else yeah, this really is good calves? so subjective i mean it's just kind of a preference really more than anything i mean you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Ronnie because from the back, there's just, uh, it's lights out on anybody who's ever turned around from the back. You, you, the problem is, is when he turns around from the back, you don't even really notice calves and hamstrings. You just notice this glute that is about four feet tall. Yeah. And you just think to yourself, how can a glute be that long? Like it must take him a day and a half to wipe his ass. It must. It just has to. Like he has to take a shit, and get in the shower because wiping your ass would just take forever. Now, I don't know. I mean, back. Again, it's pretty subjective. I mean, you know, I would, Matt, like I said, what comes to mind for me is Ronnie. I mean, I could go with, you know, guys that are not as well known. I still think Anth Bales looks fucking crazy uh, oh, from yeah. every angle. 
you know, I've, I've long said if I if I was forced, if God came down and actually existed, came down and said, you know what, you can't keep your body anymore. You got to trade it for somebody else's. I'd be like, you know what, Ant, I just like his look. I think his look is really, really good. Yeah. So I, somebody might say, well, why not, why not Flex Wheeler? Nah, Flex had bad kidneys. I don't have a good. I don't have a good answer. <laughs> I was going to say Flex story. Wheeler. Yeah. Kevin LeBron. Yeah. I, you can't, yeah, you can't go wrong. I mean, really, when you if you think about it, who? I mean, it's just such a it's a matter of pride. And I'm not knocking the question at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. He was saying from the front and the back. Yeah, he, was he saying the front or the back? Both. Did yeah, no kidding. Or Tony Pearson. Yeah, <laughs> Tony, yeah. We're gonna leave Tony out. <laughs> Those Cavs are a little. Weak. And you're gonna find too. I mean, he may be asking this question because Cavs don't matter a whole lot anymore these days. You can win shows without good Cavs, and it's happening quite a bit. Go back to the '80s, the late '80s. You couldn't early '90s. You could not do that. In the mid '90s, that started to change, where it kind of didn't really matter anymore. And that's Lee Labrada. Yeah, Lee Labrada. Oh yeah. You're gonna crush Scott's dreams when you tell him Cavs don't matter. <laughs> I, I was trying to look pictures up to see if I could like jog my my memory of anybody. You know who had really good calves? Uh, you don't. I don't know whatever happened to him. Was remember Jeff Long from maybe about yeah. a decade ago? Yeah, yeah. He had crazy calves. In fact, I feel like he almost had the same problem as. I mean, he was a bodybuilder. He had the same issues. As no, but he powerlifting before. Did he really? But if you're talking about just calves, then that's completely different because I mean, even like guys like Matarazzo and yeah. stuff. They, <clears throat> but he admitted too that he Matarazzo had uh, essentially the same genetic disease that you do. He uh -huh. didn't train them very much, and they were just kind of a. He admitted they were just more of a genetic gift than anything else. And you know, you can't like somebody like that. Yeah. You got to hate somebody like that because that's just not even fair. God likes him so much more than he liked me that I just don't find that very fair. Huh? We got uh, you know you got to be you got to be old to answer half questions because they don't really matter anymore. Big T says uh, <laughs> Jeff Long lives in his town. Oh Ooh, no, kidding! Ooh. Nate Pennington said uh, Eric Fankhauser. He had oh, some yeah. crazy legs overall. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. Hey, get some more tattoos, dude. You need some more tattoos. He's running out of room. He's like my home gym. He doesn't he's have got, much he's, space he's, left. He's, 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 he's down, down, to, one, he's down uh -huh. to one square foot. What's that? Nate, I'm, I want to know Nate. Nate, he has to comment. Does Nate listen all the time? Or is he a, is this a one-off? If he listens all the time, that's a cool yeah. dude. I don't, yeah, because I, I didn't he's know he listened. probably too busy making videos or playing at the uh, – the honky tonk. And Big T, does, uh, <laughs> right. Big T, the, um, does Jeff Long still train? That's what I want to know. I want to know how big yeah. he is now. I'll move on. We, were, we, we reverted to asking the listeners questions yes. now instead of answering ourselves. We're just going to throw a bunch of questions out for the listeners. We'll see what the guys <laughs> say here, and we'll, we'll pull the next question up while we do that. Oh, it's the off-topic kind of question, but it's off and on-topic, really. Not bodybuilding. Just curious. I know Skip has talked about it before, but how did he get his name Skip? Um, wait, how did he get the name Skip with and with S2H's? What is uh, S2H's real name? Uh, what is his background in the industry? Very number. And uh, how did the three of you meet and create this wonderful program? Oh, and looks like we got a couple of messages here. Nate Pennington says. Uh, I listened to all the episodes, but it's the first time ever catching the live ones. Shout out oh, to you, no Nate. Kidding. Very cool. well, Nate, Nate Pennington will be in my in my bio when I give it because he's in there somewhere. Yeah. And Big T says, uh, 
he does. The, the Jeff Long's around two twenty two thirty right now, but his nice. calves are still like that of All a two sixty. You know. Yeah. So why don't we start with you, S two H? Who? Let's lay it out. Let's get your driver's license number and all that out here while we're at it. I lost. I lost it. <laughs> I don't have pass. You want my passport? Now, what was the question? Who are you? I'm me. What is your real name? What's your address? Social Jeff, security number. Jeff. His name is Scott. <laughs> and what? Well, I think it is a good question because we do have people. Because a lot of times Skip does a lot of the talking, which you've pointed out. It's famous. And, over and over. people are like, who's that guy in the red hat? Well, there's you're both wearing red hats, though. But you, you see where I'm going with this. Mine's pink. Uh, I mean, what, you want, the, you want the, the, the cliff notes or the long version? Give us some of the details. Give us some of the cliff notes. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, Bull like points. a lot of people, I started, I started lifting when I was like 13. Played football in high school. Wrestled, this isn't the bullet point. Powerlifting team, all that stuff. And then I started getting more like, then I started more getting into powerlifting because uh, really bodybuilding, I mean, when I was a kid, you know, we had all the Lou Ferrigno, Arnold, but I was a big follower of Dan Duchesne. I don't know how I ever got his handbook, the underground handbook, but um, started powerlifting and after, you know, high school and stuff. And then uh, I think it was when I was 26, I tore my labrum bench pressing. So I quit lifting for about four or five years and got super fat. Like three hundred something pounds. Who are you? And uh, cut to the tape. Yeah, like why? You? Like how did? Like yeah, like you know. Oh, how did I get? Oh, ended up with you guys. Uh, so I think it was like I met my wife. She was a bodybuilder. She was really pretty good. I mean, she probably could have gone pro, but she won the, the state championship a couple of times. And so I kind of got into bodybuilding with her. Um, I mean, I was going to the gym and everything. That's where I met her, but. uh Really got in that scene, everything, and then I decided to compete. Eh, didn't do like middle of the pack. Competed again. I don't remember like upper middle of the pack, but I just kind of like ah, I don't know if this is really for me. And I kind of like powerlifting, but then I got into really start. Well, I, I took a lot of gear when I was young, so after I lost all that weight, I, my uh, natural testosterone was like nothing. It was like ninety two, and so I got on TRT. That was like twenty years ago. And I figured, well, I better figure out what happened to me. So I started studying it. Da, 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 da. And then when uh, this is the part Dave, I wanted to talk about. So he is like, oh. so when I was 13 years old, I looked up to Lou Ferrigno and I played some high school sports and I really enjoyed my, the color blue. Well, and then he's like, know, he gets Paul. to the part I want to talk about. And he's like, and then I started researching about TRT, blah, blah, blah. And then, then we're here. OK, so anyway, <laughs> I, I was I went to the doctor had a pretty, pretty progressive doctor. He's like, hey, your testosterone sucks. You're not very old. And you're fat and everything else. So I got on TRT, um, started working me through that program. But I figured out, hey, I started going back to the gym, dropped like a hundred and something pounds in a year. And I'm like, I need to figure out what happened, you know, why this happened. And started studying it. Met my wife, got in the bodybuilding scene with her, competed a couple times. Then I got when Dave, I started following Dave. Uh, Plumbo with Arcs Muscle Magazine I had a prescription, you know, prescription, a subscription that came very much. Get him nervous. He's not used and to talking then, about himself. Uh, when uh, <laughs> when Rx Muscle came online, which I didn't have to use a computer, I figured it out. And I started posting in their chem forum. And then they asked me to be, uh, what did they, they call him? Not moderator. Uh, like a leader of that section. And then I became a moderator, super moderator. And actually, that's where I met Nate because Nate was posting in there and we got to know each other and he was going to compete again 
in the southern states. And so he's like, hey, can you kind of help me out a little bit? And it, I did it for free. It was just like a buddy thing. But he ended up winning. So he You were prepping him when he won the southern states? Yeah, so be quiet. So when he you know what? No, no, no. I got to give you credit for that then because I didn't know that he won the Southern States until only like within the last year. And I did not know you were working with him. I, I really I was didn't. helping him. I was helping him. Well, okay, he did but a lot still. of work. But okay. anyway, so he posted those pictures on the forum. And at that time, if people were around then, I mean, RX Muscle was like, it was a freaking zoo. There were so many people in there. Yeah. And he posted them and said that I had helped him and everything. And then people started hiring me you know mainly for like pd stuff because i was you know i that's I the, a pretty good grasp of it and then it went yeah. there to dieting some and on and on and on and uh uh you know so that's kind of where it went i worked for a couple other i worked for iron mag labs uh and then some of their projects and boards and then they ended up um so rob ended up working with aaron to help start blackstone and so when blackstone started their board Rob had me and another guy that were working kind of under his wing go be part of that board. And that's where I met Taylor. And I think I met Skip, I met Skip way before that on RX, but that's where I met Taylor. And Taylor came with the idea to do PED radio. So he got Skip. No, actually it was Taylor and I started it alone. Right, we had exactly. Skip on as you a guest. It. It, was, that really it was funny. It was? Yeah. We had him on about like our fourth or fifth guest. And, and when Skip came on, and when the show was over that night, I was thinking, man, you know, that guy would be good addition because Taylor and I are neither one of us are big, long winded talkers, you know? And, uh, <laughs> so we, cause we were thinking, Hey, we're going to have to have a guest on every time. Cause we can't float this thing between the two of us. Well, Skip came on and that night I was thinking, and it was really weird because Taylor sent me an email. Like when I sent him one, they crossed paths and mine said, Hey, we should get this, get Skip to come on full time. And his said the same thing. And that's how it started. And, and then, then uh, in the next did. scene, if you cut to the next scene, those two were running in slow motion down the beach and the sun was setting and I was running in the opposite direction and we were all coming together and then it fades to black and we started the podcast. That's, that's yep. the end of the, yeah, and, uh, that's we the started <laughs> that. And then, uh, uh, things went a different direction after, I don't know, I mean, episode 70 or something. I don't remember what it was. And then skip and I and Mike Arnold, were going to do our own podcast and Mike Arnold and I had started a supplement company. Um, and so that podcast, and I'm going to blame it on me. I didn't, I didn't put enough, I didn't put enough research into doing a podcast and it didn't, it just didn't pan out. We had a couple episodes. Uh, Mike and I had the supplement company doing mostly nootropics. Um, you know, we had creative differences. He wanted to go in one direction. I wanted to go in a different one. So we, uh, I let him, you know, he took the, stayed with the company and I went in a different direction. And then, I don't know how the hell we got on here somehow. So Scott asked us. I think part of the background too, I mean, really the thing is, is you've done an extensive amount. You had done an extent. I know you don't keep up with things as much as you used to, but you had done an extensive amount of research into PEDs and you were what I would say uh, considered an authority for, you know, about a, a good you know decade there. And I think that that's, your role here as well, pretty much. But you know, yeah. you know, they, there's some there's some gray areas there. But I, we can we can leave them gray. Well, I, we ended up. I think we ended I up. So my, you guys, my, I, I was I was my own test dummy, and that's one thing that comes from probably the Dan Duchesne days of following Dan. 
is I always looked at it from, okay, just because this research says this or somebody says this, if you don't give it a run for yourself, you're never really going to know what it, what things do. So I, I was my own guinea pig for quite a long time Yeah, right. for good and bad. Jump in for me here then, Skip. So, well, actually, we take off, gonna, well, we take off with PED. Here, I'm gonna, I'll give you like a very quick cliff notes. We jump yeah. in with two PED. I think it went real well. We made a couple decisions that were we were ahead of ourselves. We didn't know what we were doing. Uh, it would be similar to to Scott and I right now going. You know what? We don't need Scott McNally. We're gonna go do this other thing because I don't know. We we think we can do it so much fucking better. And we f- literally just very very quickly failed and fell on our ass. So I didn't know what to do. You guys had hooked up, and then. I don't know exactly what That's happened, right. but it, Being called and we got it going again. Yeah. And we uh, you know, I would. Yeah. It, well, you started. Yeah. You started being a guest on Advices Radio. Yeah. Oh, I would call you in my car and all kinds of shows. And then uh, after that, then we're like, "Hey, let's get Skip." And then we all reunited, and then it's turned yeah. out 102, I think now 102 every other oh, week, into. mostly every other week. Wow. So that makes probably Skip and I together. How long? When? How long ago was PD Radio started? I want to say like thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. So about two thousand thirteen. Seven years. Seven years. So now I think back to it. I wish we never invited Skip, but that's a whole other story. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'll tell you what though. Podcasting has changed so much because when you guys started PED Radio, um, and and I'll keep us moving here in a minute, but I do want to say this. That the, nobody was talking about. There was like no PED podcast, you know. Sure. Yeah. Performance enhancing radio. It was a good show. You guys did some cool groundbreaking stuff. Now we talk about steroids, and everybody's like in one ear out the other because there's mm-hmm. seven thousand other people that are talking about this stuff. Yeah. But I like it because it brings it back to training and nutrition. Yeah. And I think that that's a better component anyway. It, it, I like that we still talk about gear, but it's not the full, it's not 80% gear, 20% training nutrition. It seems to be more, far more balanced now, which is the way that it should be, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. I mean, PD radio got tough for a while topic wise because we'd regurgitated so much of the same stuff. I mean, there's only so much you can talk about. Yeah. Well, it was always so trend, it, always trend. We were, we were, hem- we were hemmed in a little bit. Oh, and I did write the DNP protocol, and that just was the worst thing I ever did because yeah, nobody would sure. leave me alone for like two years. I'm DNP? with Eric Bassett right there. I miss the forum days too, and I wish they would come back, but that's what all old people say. They like the way that it used to be. <laughs> Let's see what else we got here. Um, more off topic stuff. Uh, okay, what more drug stuff too? Uh, would it be beneficial to use a few units of insulin from a health perspective on a refeed day, uh, going a thousand plus carbs to give the pancreas some help? Two to three IU isn't, or two to three units isn't going to do much of anything. Yeah, I'm not I'm saying sure. that it's a bad idea. All I'm saying is with all those carbs, it's not going to really, you're not going to get much of, of a break. Yeah, you're not going to hit your blood glucose levels all that much with that. I, here's my opinion on two to three IU. He said you could li- the body can literally. Okay, fair enough. If, if just to give, um, whoops. oh, that expensive light almost smashed. Uh, <laughs> it has a very has a very weak base there that I kick sometimes. Um, two to three units of insulin. You don't even really need carbs for, and I'm going to let S2H um, slap me if he disagrees with me, but I think he's going to agree with me. Your body can adjust to two or three, unless you're just in a really, like you're in a deficit and you're already running on lower glycogen, depleted glycogen stores, that sort of thing. Two or three units of insulin, your body should be able to adjust 
uh, without really even taking in any carbs. So if you throw a bunch of carbs in there and you're loading in two or three units, it's just not going to matter a whole lot. I'm not going to give my dosage recommendation publicly because then that would make people think, oh, shit, I was way too low. I'm going to take way more stuff. Oh. Um, but the things you can get away with when you load are um, not get away with, but they can be beneficial are significantly higher and you run a far less risk of going hypo unless you just do a dose load and go to bed and then you could run into problems when you uh you know while you're sleeping of course we're gonna agree twice yeah unless you're severely depleted a couple i use you're not even really notice anything not mm -hmm. too much hardly at all and yeah i mean for a thousand grams of carbs that that's that's you know there's a lot you could use a lot more insulin but i don't say much yeah because i'm gonna kill right exactly <laughs> For liability reasons, if everybody wants to sign a waiver, then, you know, we could do it. We can have electronic waivers that you can do yeah, exactly prior to listening to the podcast. I have personally in my own bodybuilding, I've never used insulin during a prep. Well, early on, but I'll be completely honest. I mean, I, I'm not a huge guy, you know, and when I've competed, I've I've competed in light heavyweight and I, I've been, you know, as big, I've, I, it's not like I've lost muscle or anything, but I honestly don't feel like I've ever personally needed it. Um, See, I don't think it has anything to do with size. I think it has to do with whether you're responsive to it and whether you can benefit from it. But I don't think that someone being in a different weight class, I think a lot of people make the assumption that, you know, only the heavies and the super huge dudes need insulin. But I don't I don't think that's the case at all. I think like it just I depends have. on whether you can benefit. Yeah. yeah. And that maybe see. The other argument, too, is if you are, you know, when you're dieting, you tend to be more insulin sensitive anyway. Yes. So when you when you end up and your your glycogen depleted, do you really need that insulin to be able to pack away those carbs? And I mm. would say probably there's a protocol that has to do with timing in situations like that where you might use insulin either, let's say, early in the skip load or in a refeed, whatever you want to call it yeah. or later. And I'm not going to say which one, but there's one when or you're the less other insulin one, sensitive. Yes, maybe one might be a little bit more beneficial than the other. Yeah, uh, I knew if I kept digging, I would learn like something today. Yeah. Now in the off season, you know, the other thing is too, is the people who are genetically predisposed and they just tend to respond very, very well. Um, unlike, the rest of us mere mortals. Fuck, I never um, knew that. I never knew that about and just taking insulin in the off season, even when you're not ridiculously lean, and mm. they just respond to it. It's almost like it's difficult for those people to become insulin resistant. And remember, there's a balance of insulin sensitivity to insulin resistance. It's not like you're insulin resistant 100, and you're not. It it it's a combination of the two, and they fluctuate and they lean one way or the other. Sometimes heavily, sometimes not as heavily, that sort of thing. But it's a constant shift. It's not just one or the other. I learned something about skip loading today. I really hadn't known that before. I could sell you the protocol get, get, for $25. <laughs> <laughs> I just got the wheels turning. Something made some sense to me. So. I mean, it is. He's, right. I mean, he's right, though. Well, he's right again, my God. Uh, I mean, there's a timing yeah. issue to it, too. And the type of yeah, insulin you're using, type of foods. Yeah. I mean, how much. I mean, I mean, there's guys that compete on insulin that take it to get on mm -hmm. the stage. It's not uncommon. Yeah. You know, so, but you have to do it, you know, it's, it's not something that I highly wouldn't recommend trying it for your first show. You know, right? it's not something you just want to, you don't want to dance that devil with the unknown out there, but there's, there's a technique to use insulin to, to load and, 
and to uh and to, and to compete on it but i'd say more people use insulin than a lot would think for contest prep yep what about uh this was just in our our group from steve barnes he says question for any of the shows my trt doc recommended a 60 percent test sip 40 percent test probe mix what would be the disadvantages and the advantages of this and any other thoughts no disadvantage have? at all i don't think that's why i've always said a lot of my protocols and with my clients they run doesn't matter if they're off season or uh in prep that they mix long ester tests with short ester tests 50 in a roughly 50 50 ratio hmm. so 60 to 40 would qualify and i think it's a great idea hmm. now if you only dose that once a week the hmm. probe level won't be as to say you would probably want to do that. I think you can get away with doing it twice a week at roughly 84 hours apart. Be, yeah. And that would be like, as an example, a Monday morning, Thursday night, and I would say 84 because that's just the halfway point. That's my OCD ness coming out. It probably doesn't have to be exactly that, but I think if you dosed it twice a week, once your blood levels were elevated and they were, they were stable. I don't think you would notice that small shift. If it, if it didn't, the probe didn't sustain the, you know, the absolute stability, it would be enough of a small dip that you just wouldn't even, you wouldn't even notice it, you know, 12 or 24 hours before you actually hit the dosage. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, some of these doctors are trying to reinvent the wheel because, you know, that is a good point. When, when you're getting, when you're getting prescribed that you're getting pushed to a compound pharmacy, which mm. they're friendly with, let's just say, but they're trying to reinvent a drug called Sustanon, which <laughs> has been around forever. I mean, I've seen them, you know, several different esters where they'll call for these blends. And I'll be honest with you. I think the main reason they're doing blends is so they can push you onto their compound pharmacy. It, that may well be. Yeah. No, that may yeah. well be. I, with someone who's on TRT, I don't think that all of a sudden someone who switches to a blend at 60, 40 is going to go, oh my God, this is way better. I don't think that at all. But I do think that anytime you can get away with a shorter ester, you still run the risk of, um, less water retention, even though it's a lower dose and you shouldn't be holding a lot of water retention there too. But um, same thing with estrogen kickback. I think with the, with the pro versus the sipinate, you might notice a, notice a, you know, an adjust, a small adjustment in any type, you know, some type of estrogen kickback. I don't know that it would be substantial because again, I don't have any experience with the blend with the TRT. Uh, but when it comes to um, the only downfall to that, I think if I had to, Think out loud. Well, with TRT, it wouldn't be that much of a difference, but the the shot would be more voluminous, not yeah. much, but a little bit. But when you get into the 50-50, the only complaint I've ever had or concern, I don't know if it's really a complaint with clients is sometimes if their dosages is higher and they're running 50-50 long and short, that does that can increase the um, the volume of the shots. You're loading more into yeah. pins. Harder for me to you get those two grams in every week. So yeah, you can exactly. get a sixty forty split of 200 milligrams into one milliliter that that's that's uh you know that's not an issue would they do that no. at a compounding pharmacy though yeah right yeah, yeah they'll use a di they'll probably use a different carrier for it to make it to make it a little smoother going in but yeah i mean you, you there's no problem getting well so say you take 200 milligrams you've got 60 40 what is that so that's 120 sipionate uh 80 pro so you can suspend that in one mil and so I hear, and uh, so, but yeah, I would go with like twice a week, Monday, Thursday, something like that, you know, cause you're now, gonna have a little bit of a lift, have, lift up. Go ahead. I say some people do have the, um, the issue with probe. I don't have it, 
so I can't relate, you know, with, you know, my personal experience, but I know I've had a lot of clients over the years who some people just cannot tolerate pro. So you may have, I mean, if you, if you don't tolerate it well, it could be more painful, you know, more PIP, that sort of thing. Um, that I, I'm not real sure on a lower dose like that. I'm not sure, but there's still the, the chance that you might not tolerate it, you know, as well as a longer ester. I've seen that with some people that are almost like just allergic. Palumbo. Palumbo yeah. said he couldn't handle pro that he had like just yeah, an allergy fiber to lines. it. Fiber lines will fix it. We got a nice comment here from Eric McCain. McCain. He says, uh, Eric McCain, yeah. wanted to jump on real quick. Shout out. Skip man has Eric. helped my wife like no other and taught me my along God. the way. Skip. Yeah. Those are good people right there. Him and his wife. They're, they're cool. All right. Now I don't know if oh, S2H has a, Oh, Ohio. He's not too far from me then. Yeah. Shout out to yeah, Ohio right. from up here in Detroit. <laughs> We've got, uh, I don't know if S2H has a protocol here, but I've got something that could help Dan Kennedy up in Canada. S2H, do you have a hair loss prevention protocol? Uh, no. So shave your head. So everybody I mean, well, says, dude, no, dude, I mean, people, this. people Dan this and is, Michelle, what if it was Michelle? This, this is a it's topic possible. that has come up a million, a it's lot fair. of times. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I've seen people who tried everything, topicals, all this stuff and, and they still lost their hair. So I don't know. I think it's more genetic, but maybe there is a way to stop it. I don't know. I don't study hair loss like in depth. I have. So I, have. Well, I know because look at that forehead. Answer the damn question and keep quit wasting got, time. No, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I have had, I've been plagued with a high forehead, a five head all my life. And I recently saw my, uh, a picture of my dad. Cause when I was a kid, like my dad had like the comb over going where it was just like the whole thing was like this big chunk of hair. And so from the time I was, yeah, from the time I was a little kid, I was like, oh my God, am I going to have to face that one day? And I've always been like, oh, man, is it coming? Is it coming? And I I was looking at pictures from my 20s, and my hair is, like, pretty much the same. It's a little bit thinner in the front now, and it's a little bit thinner in the back, too, than it used to be. But the hairline is pretty much stayed there. Um, but I did it, – it was getting thinner, and then I started beefing up on uh, basically a hair loss protocol. And it got thicker, and then I beefed it up more, and it got even thicker. I actually had a picture of my grandpa here because he has the same hairline as me. Well, what's uh, the protocol? Okay, Spill the protocol. it, bro. So yeah, here's what we on. do. Today. Here's what we do. So minoxidil, number one, first of all, uh, five milligrams twice a day. Now, I also use 2.5 milligrams of finasteride topical every day. So finasteride, you know, we've always known that as being an oral. One milligram is the normal dose. A lot of people use that for, for hair loss. Once you take that orally, we know it goes systemic. You can have potentially finasteride syndrome, as they call it. You know, basically issues from blocking DHT. But there's a bunch of studies. If you check it out, and Dan knows my SO, Victoria, Victoria Felkar, she was the one who initially had told me about checking this out. So there's a bunch of studies now where they're using finasteride topically. And this is at the point where there is going to be, I guarantee you, there is going to be a product on the market of prescription of topical finasteride and they found the combo is that with the minoxidil so here's what i do you can get it topical from a compounding pharmacy i get so i use the foam in the morning minoxidil foam on its own they say that the foam 
uh, will absorb better into your hair follicle and your scalp and all of that. But then in the evening, I use the liquid and it's actually in PEG. So they use just like PEG like they would for research chemicals. Um, smells good. Yeah, but it, it actually doesn't have that strong of a smell that whatever grade it is, you know. But then I take my tablets. I get the five milligram tablets, drop them right in that bottle. They dissolve. Is that what they sound like for real when you put it in? Yeah, I take each one. Is that... Okay. Okay. Uh, and I, I set it so that I have, you know, I, I, you know, figure out the ratio. So I get every time I, I take the dose, I get 2.5 milligrams of topical finasteride. And to top it all off, I use Nazoral shampoo about every other day, 2% prescription. Um, Ian Valliere, he commented on uh, one of, he's in the group. He commented, said something the same thing, something along the same thing. Uh, when we were talking about this a while ago, he has another shampoo. So he does the, the Nazoro one day and then the other shampoo the other day. And that dude's got a full head of hair. Those, those luscious blonde locks of his. So. Hypothetical question. Yeah. Completely hypothetical. If I were to get these compounds and say middle of the night when I'm working, I get up and I go into my bedroom and I wipe them on my wife's boobs every night, like the lotion and stuff. Would she grow hair in her titties? I'm just asking. It's just a hypothetical. I would never do that to her. But is it possible or is it because there's not hair follicles there that that wouldn't work? Let me ask you, do you want that? I kind of I'm curious. I don't, I don't do it. That's what I oh, you mean. You're no, like, I, you're curious. Is that what you're I've trying married, to tell us? I've been married for years. I've seen the same titties for 30 years. I don't know. Maybe it looked a little different. I thought you meant you're <laughs> curious. Like you wanted to, you know, to hairy chest. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. She'd wake up in the morning one morning and be like, I don't know what the fuck. What, what's going on? I got to shave my titties. What's going on here? <laughs> be a cool job. Uh, we're going downhill quick. Yeah, we're going downhill quick. One of the guys Ryan. from, uh, it, it, it was one of the guys from one of the other podcasts was saying he was going to put it on his beard. See if he could get a beard to grow in thicker. But I don't Well, why couldn't you? Right. I don't understand why it wouldn't work, right? If there's yeah. hair follicles there. Yeah, I don't know. But I did I'm notice try. a difference. So I'll try that. Maybe I'll get a beard out of this deal. So, uh, you gotta, you gotta do that long-term though. You know, once you get a minoxidil, your, your hair becomes addicted to it. So for real. Yeah. Yeah. Like once you start, oh. it's a commitment until you're ready to go bald. You got to keep rocking that out. Otherwise okay. it will, you will lose that hair. It's like a 12 step program. If you get off of it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Um, support groups. <laughs> we had a, was that another question in the feed? Um, oh, we did get some feedback from that. That guy's only taking that once a week, the test sip pro mix. I'd probably take it twice. Yeah, split I would. Up. I'd split it in yeah. half. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We had one. I like splitting everything up. So, you know, Max better Holiday. blood levels. Max Holiday joins us. He also Max. says, shave his head, shave head your shave. head. <laughs> but he's got a comment for us or a question here, too. This is a, it's kind of a long one, Max. I'm going to chastise you for giving us, making me read such a long question. But I will also <laughs> read your question. We appreciate you always, brother. And I think, too, S2H, we, Max, we need to set him up on a mandate with S2H because he's from Texas and he bass fishes. So there's that. That's a good guy there. Shit, my page just jumped. Something loaded, and now it's gone. All right. Shit. Yeah, that really happened. Oh, my God. I'm getting ready to read it, and all of a sudden my page jumped. I'm sorry, guys. All right, here it is. Um, am I delusional or just an denial? 
Although age, work, and years of training have begun to affect the way I approach my training, my mindset is still that of a 15-year-old version of myself, wanting to be so big that it would cause people to stop in their tracks just to be able to comprehend what they are looking at walking down the street. With that said, um, I find myself pushing through either intensity or weight each and every workout, sometimes to the point of either tweaking an old injury or at least causing me to make those traditional old man noises every time I get up off the couch or reach for something over my head. Uh, so why can't I just accept the fact that everything has an expiration date and just slow down and maintain what I've been able to um uh, what I have as I begin to approach what they call my so-called golden years. Uh, by the way, I'm 56 uh, with uh, 40 years of training and 30 years of military service. Dude, first of all, I would have never guessed that Max Holiday was 56. I would agree with that as well. Never. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, that's unfortunate because now we have to look and go, oh, shit, thanks, Max. Also, that was well-written. So. Making us all look bad. I, I want to answer this. I am dying to answer it because this is true. Okay, This is why. This is exactly why him and people his age, me included, number one, we're wired differently. But the main reason is because we go to social media – and we see everyone we went to school with who is the same age we are, and we see the consequences of mm. throwing your hands up and giving up and quitting. Quitting giving a shit, not quitting training or anything else, but quitting giving a shit and then blaming it on your kids in life, in a career. And people like us who are wired different sit back and go, you got to be fucking kidding me. Mm. You know that you look at the people you went to school with and you go, when did your fucking ass give up? Like, at what point in your life did you say, fuck it, I don't really care anymore? And I know that sounds bad. I know it may sound judgmental, shitty, whatever. I don't care. I'm not 50 years old going, oh, my God, I'm, I'm way hotter than the rest of these motherfuckers I went to school with. That's not it. But I can't give up because I am reminded constantly of what these people, and they look like hell. They clearly look like they gave up. They gave up. They look older than what they do. They're out of shape. They're unhealthy. They're complaining they're going to die from COVID. And at the same time, they've got comorbidities that they have complete control over. Mm. That's my rant. That's beautiful. I thought it was really concise, too, which is unlike Very you. eloquent. I think eloquent, too. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I, th I, think it, I think the solution for Max is to buy a convertible Corvette. <laughs> and that at 56 and he will he will forget thinking about other things because he has hit the midlife no he won't what he'll do is he'll you know, know he'll he look made, cooler he made an interesting part of that comment one of the comments said he had 30 years of military service being that i was a military guy too uh i think there's a competitive nature in the military to always mm. either 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 stay in the top of your game or strive to or you get sent back. And if you do 30 years, that means you didn't have crappy review, you know, evaluations, you performed, uh, you know, in the top, whatever percent, I don't know what percent they use, but you know, of your, of your peer group. So that's one thing about the military is if you're a turd, you're going to be sent back in early. So by saying he did 30 years, it tells me that he, hmm. that he probably excelled in his, MOS and, and his peer group. So he's probably used to, you know, you 30 years of gaming, you're going to keep gaming. Hmm. 
So high expectations for himself. And then when he's not in, he's got to have something else to focus on. It's like professional athletes. When they get out, they have to do something else because they feel like they're wasting time. If they don't, you're either competitive and you want to continue to get better and set the bar higher for long periods of time, no matter what it is, or you just sit back and you go, eh, fuck it. And we're on those two types. Those two groups of people are complete bipolar opposites and they can't even fucking relate. They can't understand each other. We're looking at them going, why the fuck did you give up? Why would you not care? They're looking at us like we're crazy because we spend too much time in the gym. We're too vain. Hmm. Pick one. I like it. I hope that gives you something, Max. He also, what what did he say there? Oh no, more head shaving stuff. All right, I'll just move on. Um, Get another training question here. Volume of work sets for an arm workout. He says, uh, it sounds like he's doing 10 to 14 reps to failure. What do you guys think? SOH? Skip? Anybody? Yeah, uh, this is such a great. Some people do do better with higher. Okay, that's a a good way to. 10 to 12. I will be, I'll tell you what I do. I finish because my arms are a relative strong point. Mm. Now, when I say relative strong point, they're not freaking awesome, but they're so much better than all my other shitty body parts that I have to prioritize the other shitty body parts. So what I do is I'm a push pull leg rotation and I finish up with arms because they're not as much of a priority. So my right now, my arm volume and workload is significantly lower than everything else because it takes less of a priority. So I finish with only about six working sets for um, for arms, tries and six for buys. Not counting warm-ups, I'll do, say, three exercises, two working sets that are either to failure or slightly past failure, whatever else. I am running higher reps now than I've ever done at any other phase in my hmm. very long time that I've been training. I won't say how many years because everybody knows how many years. But in case you don't know, it's 36. Anyway, <laughs> that was the point is, is my, my arm training volume is low right now. It, so it just depends on what that person responds to. But typically, I will say this, large majority of people do too much volume when it comes to arms because they're getting a lot of ar- a lot of direct arm work when they're pushing and pulling with heavy weights. In fact, yeah. I go so far as to say, and that's why I'm going to keep talking because I see him shaving, shaking his head over out in the corner. The large majority of your arm size is once you have trained for a significant amount of time, doesn't, in my opinion, come from direct arm work. It comes from heavy pushing and pulling. Go for it, Scott. Curls for <laughs> girls, baby. Curls for girls. You got to get I, I agree. We're looking at that completely differently. <laughs> yeah, I, I think biceps probably the most, well, bicep or chest. They're the two most overworked muscle groups. So. Yeah. Yep. I, I always did mine secondary, kind of like Skip. You know, I just, I never liked, well, since I tore my bicep twice, it probably doesn't get gut to where I disliked him more. But uh, yeah, you know, I do them secondary too. I think people overdo them. Maybe like nine, despise, work, nine working sets, maybe 12. I despise like training guys. Don't like them. Never have. Girls Don't like them. Girls, baby. Curls. I didn't girls. know you're doing it. I'm going to ask you guys a personal question for myself, meaning like, I'm. But before I do, though, uh, I wanted to say, Skip, I didn't know you were doing push-pull legs, though. Yeah, but it's a rotation. It's kind of an odd rotation. It's a three-day rotation over four days. And the reason I'm doing that is so that every week, whatever I hit on Monday, I come back and I hit on Friday, and that changes every week. That's exactly what I do. 
nice. And that's why I stole it from you. But anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> no, people don't, I do. I like the frequency. People don't, I think, realize if they just watch this podcast, if they don't know you, I'm going to tell you right now, and this is this is a compliment, actually. You look a lot smaller on the podcast than you actually are, because like it cuts us off. Like you're a lot, you're a big Thanks. dude. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. You, you know, <laughs> you, you do, you do. You don't come off as big as you actually are. I just, I just was thinking that I wanted to throw that out there because when you're saying you, you know, arms are decent for you. I thought about when I met you in person at the Arnold a couple of years ago now. And yeah, you got, you got some size, you know, you're, you're a big dude, but I wanted to ask you though, cause about arms. So me, I'm the opposite of you where my arms, they're not the best. I don't have like an awesome bicep peak. Over time, they've obviously gotten bigger because everything's gotten bigger. But I feel like as I've done this routine, push-pull legs, that what I do is, you know, the arms are a secondary thing for me. What advice would you have for someone like myself who has been doing exactly what you're talking about, where it's just like a secondary thought, but I'd like to maybe ramp that up a little bit. If I go too high, then I start getting elbow issues. So that's the, that's yeah. the other end of the thing, you know? And, that, and that's part of the appeal of training arms after they're warm on a push and a pull setup is you're not usually going to have, you know, tricep tendon issues or, you know, bicep tendon issues when you do that. But that's the thing. If you do need arm, look, I have much better arm training sessions when I train arms on one day by themselves. The problem is, is then you come in cold and you got to make sure you're damn warm because if you just go straight and the other thing is, is I don't train triceps first. If I train triceps and biceps together, I'm training biceps first mm. because that will help warm up my elbows so that my elbows don't, I mean, it'll take me halfway through a tricep session before they're actually, my elbows actually feel good. Yeah. And that just takes too long to warm up. I'm too fucking old for that. I got to take time to warm up. So I hit biceps first and then I come into, <coughs> excuse me, into tries, but you got to give them their own day. You got to give yeah. them their own day so that you're them fresh they do need to take priority the problem with that is then you have to balance the training intensity and the recovery versus when you come back around to do your heavy pressing and pulling for chest and back because if you're nailing your arms directly with high intensity mm -hmm. and heavy loads then you may have a hard time coming back and putting you know big loads with compound movements on you know chest or with back and i did say putting big loads on i did say that on your chest big loads on your chest i said that Okay, what about now I you know, obviously I'm pretty progressive with with the key body parts, chest, back and leg movements. Are you as progressive with something like arms? Are you are you pushing that same intensity? Definitely intensity. I mean, are you talking about like progressive overload though? I mean, as well, far as overload like strength and Yeah, well I'm I just, think you have to be really careful with that. And okay. depending on yeah, on because I mean, you have to be careful no matter what the muscle group is. But, you know, like as an example, if, if you're going to go in and you're going to think, oh, I saw Dusty Henshaw doing, um, you know, skull crushers with 220 or Justin, you know, troponin, Justin Harris yeah. doing 225 on a fucking bench bar. It yeah. looks like he's going to bench a close grip and then he just goes into a line tricep extension. That would just rip my fucking tricep tendons just right off the bone. I'm certain of it. But anyway, we're not built the same, obviously. Um, you, you have to be very, very careful and, and I mean, it sounds kind of, you know, rehearsed and gosh, you say it all the time. But when you're doing things like skull crushers or overhead tricep extensions, remember Matt Porter had that problem where he injured his tricep tendon doing overhead um, dumbbell extensions. Mm -hmm. I think, and I don't know that he was doing them this way, but the large majority of doing overhead tricep extensions injuries is because you're straight up. The angle isn't right. I've written a lot of 
articles about this. The angle has to be open. You should actually be on a high incline instead of sitting straight up to do overhead tricep extension so that you don't put that tricep tendon in a vulnerable position. As that elbow comes forward and the angle closes, and this is what makes me nervous about, listen, and I got to say, it makes me nervous about Dusty. But let me say very, very clearly that Dusty does not need my fucking advice anymore. He doesn't need it. He's well past that. He moves, he moves weight that machines that crush cars in junkyards can't fucking move. I mean, the guy is just in, insanely strong. But he does his skull crushers in a different fashion hmm. that make me cringe because his elbows, he closes that angle between the elbow and the torso. It's God damn it. I'm trying to show, but it's closed. It's not open. It needs to be open for the large a, majority of your mortals. In? Not in, but opening up. Let me see if I can do this. All right. Opening this, the angle of oh. the upper arm. As soon as and Dusty does this, he brings his elbows way down and he closes this angle and it puts more pressure for us mere mortals. It puts that tricep tendon in a vulnerable position huh. to literally be injured. And with those types of weights, I'm like, man, that guy's body is built for that shit. So he can get away with it. But goddamn, a lot of people, large majority of people can't get away with that. You keep that angle open and that the tricep tendon is not in anywhere near as vulnerable, vulnerable of a position, not only for injury, but for itis. I call it old man itis, inflammation or irritation of the tricep tendon, where it's not necessarily injured, but it just fucking hurts all the time. I'm still trying to get make sure I get a grip on what you're saying now. Um, I picked up something from the Mountain Dog. He, you know, his, his, uh, YouTube, I was watching some of his arm training. One of my favorite tricep exercises is uh, a skull crusher with dumbbells on an incline bench press. And when I did them, I'd have my arms back behind my head. When John does them, he does them right here. Are you saying that's the same thing that Dusty does? Yes. I haven't seen John do them. Okay. Now, if you, if John is holding like a pretty much a 90 degree from his upper arm to his torso, then that's okay. If that angle closes and it gets smaller than 90 degrees, like then this, it becomes more like this. Exactly. That's what open means going further back. Okay. okay. It, that makes me nervous. And here's yeah. the thing. I'm not, this is where I get into, we get into conflicting opinions with people that we have a lot of respect for, and they have a lot of knowledge and experience. I'm not saying they're wrong. All I'm saying is, in my experience with myself and with clients and injuries and me training so long, that is a vulnerability for a lot of, a lot of people, the majority of people, when you open that angle, even just slightly past 90 degrees, the vulnerability drops off considerably, I didn't know considerably that. much safer. I've always done them behind my head, but when I tried that, I felt like I didn't have to stretch as far. And because of that, it felt safer to me, honestly. I'm not trying to put you on the spot or anything. I'm just, you know, but this is something I would say to you off the air, too. I'm just, because I'm. And I don't mind being on the spot. I just don't want to sound to anybody listening like I'm saying John Meadows doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Because people will get those weird, you know, they'll take what you're saying out of context. And that is not at all what I mean. skip rip you up, John? (laughs) Yeah. Or about the deads. It's the same thing. And that's why I was so careful about the deads, because I do. And you know me well enough. Yeah. If there was something that was totally fucked up that I just think that's just irresponsible and wrong, 
I don't know that I would care who it was who said that. I would say, I think that's irresponsible and wrong. The thing is, is people like Dusty, the people, you know, that support the, or are arguing about the deadlifts differences and stuff like that. Um, John Meadows, they have tons of knowledge and experience and they would never say something that's irresponsible. This is just a different, um, not methodology, but it's just a different uh, opinion on the same thing. I'm going by what I've seen. Yeah. They may not have seen that same thing. Yeah. Okay. Or you know what? I, I I mean, it's possible. Maybe they hear what I say and they think to themselves and they go, oh, I guess I hadn't have thought about that. There are other things that other people have said that I've thought, God damn, I've been doing this shit for a long time. That makes complete sense. I would not have thought about that. Now, I'm not saying that's what they'll say, but they may think I didn't think about the moment because I've never had an issue with it before. Yeah. They can get away with things that they're built differently than the rest of us. And that's why I want to be clear on that. They can get away with things and go, I don't know. My triceps never bothered me before. Why would I think about that? Hmm. Um, <clears throat> we have no more bodybuilding questions. Can we ask S2H about guns for a minute? I don't give a shit. Go for it. <laughs> well, let me, let me wake up real quick. I was kind of losing it there. Um, what do you think? So I was talking to a friend of mine. He's a police officer. He said that the, the 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 department that he works for, they carry the Glock 43 for their plainclothes officers. But for his personal choice, he likes, it's this little, I think, J-frame, you call it, Smith & Wesson, five-shot, 38 plus P. What do you think of that? I mean, I think if the gun goes bang and you know how to use it, I mean... A lot of people own guns that can't hit anything with them. So, I mean, if he's comfortable with it and he shoots it well, you know, that's that's his that's his choice. It's a, that's kind of a personal choice. Yeah. I mean, would it's not something I, I mean, I'd take it over nothing, but it That's not be, your choice? You Would you prefer the Glock? Yeah, the 43 with uh, one of the Vickers or whatever, plus two extensions. Dude, after you we know. after we closed the showdown last week, S2H started telling us all sorts of stuff about guns. Do you remember that, Skip? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that he made. I was like, damn, I never would have thought that. I thought it was complete. But what was that? The shot going through the windshield. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That one. Yeah. That yeah. threw me. I was like, I'll be. Damn. I still don't I'll get that. Path of least resistance. I can't put it. I can't put it together either. I thought about it when I'm driving. Have you not done the same thing? And I think to myself, <laughs> how does it go the other way? That doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, that doesn't. Make tell, tell tell everybody then, Scott, what's the. So we were talking about shooting. <laughs> We're talking about if you had to shoot someone through your windshield, basically. <laughs> well, I mean, this is this is what we talk about after the show. Well, the energy right. of the bullet is going to take the path of least resistance. So going into a windshield, a front windshield, yeah. uh, or any glass that's at an angle, the bullet's going to go down when it enters. When it comes out from, let's say you're in, inside the vehicle and you're shooting out the front windshield, it's going to go up. Now, there's deviations to the angle of attack, so the angle that you're taking the shot at. But if you linear take a flat linear shot into glass it's going to go up coming out and down going in on angled glass and it, it's also contingent on what kind of glass it is so like uh european cars bmws mercedes stuff have different added fiber stuff or hmm. uh, uh, fiberglass stuff in their windshield because their safety standards are a little different so you're going to get more deviation out of a european car yeah, that's still it doesn't make sense to me, but also I can't it's imagine the time yeah. where I'd that's actually be I shooting through it. my windshield. You know? Come down and we'll shoot yeah. you some windshields and you can see. I've seen that on your videos before. That's like some tactical training you guys do, huh? Yeah. He doesn't say much. And stuff. Okay. So, yeah. It, I mean your side windshields, like your 
you know, on your vehicles, you're going to get, a, you know, it's obviously the glass is flat. It's up and down. I mean, side window an angle. <laughs> yeah. Side windows. I mean, but there's different for other pieces like double pane glass and different stuff. Store windows, they're, they're all going to affect uh, rounds differently. But yeah, basically front windshield back. If it's angled, you're coming out, it's going to go up, coming in, it's going to go down. Huh. It is. It's and that's, crazy. And that's going to vary by the caliber, the caliber, the type of bullet. But, you know, in general, most of your handgun bullets are going to deviate. I don't know. Coming out, you're looking at probably if you have a target two to three yards in front of the bumper, you're probably going to have six inches of rise, six to eight, you know, on the initial first shot. Now, you know, after that, you've already created a hole in the glass. Then the story's a little different. Right. But the nine out of 10 of us can't hit the fucking hole again anyway, because of the adrenaline surge (laughs) and the ringing in our ears. The glass is still compromised. So if you're anywhere near the hole, it's not going to have as much deviation. Oh, good point. Yeah. Good point. Now, I guess the answer then would be to have double pane because then it goes one way, it goes the other way, and then it comes out the way it's supposed to. <laughs> double pane's a little trickier, especially at an, if you're coming at an angle. You know, if you're oh, if you're if your point of aim is at an angle, it it can throw around a lot farther off. Oh shit! So. Okay. All right. Well, I guess that's all we got. I want to throw some gun stuff in there though. Anything else, Skip? I had a two hundred dollar buffet brunch buffet today, one of the top five in the country. What and let have? me tell you, how much? How much? There was two hundred dollars per. Oh, person, this the one you went to and, and you didn't get in last time. We couldn't because we didn't have a reservation. Shut up, ass. Oh, <laughs> that place. You went. Yeah, it it, it was, and, and I tell you, it was everything. I was skeptical because I thought it's just going to be because these are rich people. It's not going to taste that good. I'm going to be disappointed. But when I walked in and I got the video on my Instagram of the food and the there's a guy playing a harp and every time he's done the whole room claps like rich people, not like, but they're like this. Oh, real classy. Yeah. And I did too. Cause, and I, and it was funny cause I had, you had to wear daywear resort. So I like, I got white shorts, Ooh. a pink polo, <laughs> that sort of shit. And I wouldn't let anybody call me skip. I had my clients call me chip. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I did too. But, and they wouldn't play along. I don't really don't. You know had the sweater tied around your neck. I was going to do that, but the fucking sweater was 180 bucks, and I didn't want to buy it for one day because I live in yeah. South Florida. I could have gotten away with it today because it was in the 60s, but I was like, no, nah, I ain't going to. But I was. I was going to tie that motherfucker around my neck and that sort of thing. But I tell you this. It was – I won't go again anytime soon because I'm not – I don't – I don't have that kind of, I don't have that kind of money. I can't fucking do that very frequently, but it was worth every penny. It was really fucking good. But the guy playing the harp and everything, it was very, I'll tell you what it was. It was something that I was comfortable because I was with my clients. Yeah. But outside of that, it's not an atmosphere that I'm completely comfortable being in. And I don't, that's not my wheelhouse, really. The food is and everything else and, and our table was, but it's just, you know, heart playing in the background. And nah, like these saying. the people sitting around, it's not new money. It's old money. Uh, they don't have a clue what it's like to not have millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. So it's something that they weren't necessarily uncomfortable with. They didn't notice us and couldn't give a shit. <clears throat> but my insecurities came out a little bit because I thought, mm. I don't fucking belong here. I need to eat, have fun, get the fuck out of here, and not come back anytime soon. <laughs> I got two it's questions. just not my plan. A, what was the best food on the buffet? And B, how much insulin did you take before you went? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I actually it, took the yeah, insulin after, at the after. table. 
I took the insulin at the table, accidentally dropped the syringe. It was nasty. People were like, what the fuck's going on? No, um, no insulin. Um, haven't used insulin on load days in probably a year and a half. But anyway. You didn't have a, you didn't have a pin in each ear? Yeah, exactly. Like a cigarette <laughs> behind my ear. Um, everything, because and, and, I've been asked this a couple times. Every, when it's a brunch, I go for breakfast shit. I'm not going to, they had lobster and like whole shelled lobster. Like you didn't even have to work to get it out. Ooh. Like it's just out. Um, they had the you know rack of lamb that was like lamb. I've, and I've had really good lamb. And I try to stay away from rack of lamb because I'm a little pretentious in the sense I want a lamb chop. I don't want little fucking lamb popsicles. But they were freaking Inc- everything I ate was incredible. The desserts, I don't even like cheesecake, but the key lime cheesecake was to die for. And I went to take the the leaf off of it. It wasn't a leaf. It was a fucking fake chocolate leaf that someone had drawn with fine detail on it, the veins of a leaf. Oh, I thought shit. it was a mint leaf. So I went to pick it up. I'm like, that's awful hard mint leaf. Like, what the fuck? So I go to smell it. Don't smell like mint. I fucking eat it. Holy like, shit. oh, my God, that's a fucking decoration. It was just real. It was over the top. Like it was it was well worth the money. And, and that's hard to say hmm. for 200 bucks. Yeah. And here's the thing. When you pay that kind of money, you know, full well, you're walking out of there fucking miserable. Like I'm trying to get my money's worth. And I'm like, I can't eat anymore. But it's 200 fucking dollars. I'm eating as much as I can eat. It was really, really good i wish my wife said she's like, how good was it because she's not in town she's um spending time i think with she says her sister which i think is code for boyfriend but anyway she's over in tampa she's, she's here it's and, okay. <laughs> and she said she was how good was it can i go do you think we could go back i'm like go back over there and buy you do the first time you didn't want to go that's why i went with my clients she did she can't bring herself to spend two hundred dollars on get that food because she just wants to drink mimosas and she's like i can do that at, <laughs> i can do that at a you know fifty dollar buffet where I want to see with the food and take it in. Well, once she saw it, she's like, do you think we could go back there? I'm like, you can go back there with my clients, but I ain't taking you because for you and I to go has $400 fucking dollars. Yeah. And Goose, she's not going because if I take my daughter, that's 600 bucks. <laughs> oh, not happening. So we probably will go back, but it won't be for a little while yet. That's cool. Good though. Very, very good. And it's an experience that I haven't had and I, it won't be something that I you know can do very frequently, but it was very cool. We had a good time. Laughed a lot, stuff like that. My clients that I went with are cool as shit. So it was good. It was good. S2H and I were talking about getting together and me coming down there and shooting some guns. I, I kind of want to do it, Scott. Let me ask you, can you get, do you guys have like automatic firearms that we can shoot? Select fire? Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. that's what you call it. Get him a 50 cal. I'm not even, get you know a, what? I'm not even interested in the, the 50 cal. It's so belt fed machine guns. Yeah, I want, it's yeah, belt fed machine gun. I saw I saw a minigun. You guys got one of those? No, M134 Dylan minigun. No. I think it's insane, man. I've been watching too much YouTube. They make a new one now. GE makes one. It's not newer, I should say. GE? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're pretty good. Like my refrigerator. They're electric, yeah, they're electric <laughs> miniguns. Holy shit. They run off. I'm going to talk about a 50 cal handgun for the record. I'm oh. going to talk about that. Yeah, that would be cool. Fucking rank. You, oh, you, you could blow up that. cinder block. It's not, you don't think that's fun, Scott, for real? S2H? A handgun? I, I thought that was, no, a 50 cal rifle where you. Oh, I thought you were talking about the handgun. Like, I want to shoot the 50 no, no, cal no. handgun. That'd be fun. Oh, we got those. M07A1 Barrett. Yeah. God, that was fun. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, you shot one of them. In Fargo, you know Thomas Kemper, right? The NPC chair for um, 
no, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota. God damn. I know who he is, but I don't know him. Yeah. Anyway, I went up there to do a census a handful of years ago, maybe six or seven years ago. And to do what? Middle of fucking February to do a seminar oh. at uh, um, between prejudging and the night show because he is the NPC chair. And him and a couple guys took me out. And I'm when I say it's cold, it's a different level of fucking cold out there. About that In time. the middle of a field, and he opened up the back of the truck and there was like this arsenal back there. And we shot against the train tracks, which were elevated, and we were blowing up cinder blocks. From oh, like, shit. I don't know, it wasn't very far away. To me, it was, it was like 100, maybe about 100, 100, maybe 130 yards, something like that. But I'm it's telling you, the, the, you hold the shaker, no shit. And you, or not the shaker, you hold the round and it's like a baby rattle. It's then they're like, what, $7 a fucking round? And you can hear the gunpowder like a fucking now. baby rattle. Really? No shit. Yeah, because it's been a little while. That's true. So much fun. Oh my God, you got to shoot. It's so fucking cool. That sounds crazy. I saw a handgun that I have no need for ever. I want to get it, Scott. It's called the, um, it's a 454, I think. It's a, it's called like the Alaskan River something or another. What's that gun? Yeah, it's, like the, it's like the 500 Smith & Wesson, same thing. What is that called? It's called the, like the Alaskan something river. Or oh, something. I don't know. I mean, it, it's got a whole, I mean, it's. It's a revolver. Yeah, it's got a little bit of recoil. I think uh, Ruger makes one. Smith and Wesson makes a five hundred. I mean, they're not um, they're not your go to the range and have fun shooting guns. Yeah, they said they're like for shoot the bear. Yeah, yeah, they're for like protection for hiking and stuff around bear mm-hmm. country. That'd be crazy. Ten millimeter works good on bears. Yeah. Huh. So I heard. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here, guys, okay. for another episode of Blood, Sweat, and Gear with Skip Hill, S two H. You can reach out to Skip over at TeamSkip.com. Don't try to track S2H down because you will, you'll probably be sorry. Scott, Skip, and I, we we don't try. We suggest you don't. It's all good. Uh, check out TrueNutrition.com. Use our code ADVICES, guys. Thanks for hanging out on the live feed. And uh, I don't think I mentioned it, but do us a favor. Give us a like. You probably already did if you stuck around this long. See you guys.